Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the unofficially second season of How To Be Sound, a podcast wherein we all learn how to be sound together. Happy New Year. I was just saying before we came on air that I'm not sure if it's already too late to be saying Happy New Year. Should we be talking about Easter? Hoarding cream eggs? I am your host, Rosemary McCabe, a one-time journalist and blogger and now a most-of-the-time social media manager and a part-time podcaster who still writes, but only for paying customers. So you can support me and my work at patreon.com slash rosemarymccabe for as little as $1 a month, which will get you access to four money diaries per month, wherein, ironically, I detail every single thing that I buy with your money. And from there, the possibilities are endless. You can give me everything if you want. This, the first episode of 2019, which I'd written in my notes as 2018. Remember when when you were in school, you used to do that for at least the whole month of January. You just write the wrong year. Anyway, this, the first episode of 2019, features Helen Steele, the Irish print artist and fashion designer whose debut sportswear, although I believe they like to call it athleisure these days, collection with Dunstores has just launched in stores. Helen, welcome to How To Be Sound and thank you for giving me your time. Thanks a million for asking me. Tell me about your Dunn's collaboration. It's been a year and a half in the making. It has been possibly one of the most exciting projects I've ever worked on because it's it's taken kind of two of my passions, which is creating clothing for all shapes and sizes and also creating prints, but this time with a serious emphasis on colour theory and colour therapy. So creating prints that kind of will balance and rest the mind while you're working out and oh interesting yeah and then so we've two prints one I'm wearing one of the more balanced print which is like a splatter print but it has little dashes of lots of different colors but not so full on so it's giving you a kind of balance yet a slight in kind of vigoration as well Mm. whereas the other print it's kind of red and blue and it's kind of giving that kind of optical illusion that it's kind of more graphic isn't it it is more graphic and it jars the vision a little bit so it gives you like if someone said it's like a, a visual espresso so it gives you a little burst of energy visually which can help with working out as well it's kind of interesting the concept that you would be invigorated by your own clothes when working out because I guess that only works with the reality that most gyms have mirrors and you're looking at yourself while you're training. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because in theory, you're like, well, if I'm working out wearing bright colours, like, you know, if you're going for a run outside, that's really only having an effect on people who can see you. Yeah. But if you're in an actual gym, chances are you're looking at yourself. Well, actually, when you place colours on your body, unbeknownst to you, you have all these kind of little peripheral kind of cells in the back of your eyes that I don't know strategically exactly where it's like you know when you look up into the sky and Mm -hmm. sometimes you see all these tiny little like floaters loads of floaters well basically what they are is the brain and your eye your vision trying to decipher what you're seeing emotionally and what the reality is so regardless of whether 
when it's actually phys- when a print or a color is actually on your body, those cells are still deciphering emotionally and through a, a reality process as well. It still has an, a visual effect on what you're seeing. Oh, that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. So your 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 eyes are picking up on the color even if you're not directly looking or focusing on it. Yes. Yeah, that's why I find it really hard at nighttime because my eyes are so focused on colour the whole time. And on even when you're driving, you're looking at like, it's, I have this gorgeous drive from the rolling hills of Monaghan down in through the Midlands and into the city. So I'm always being hit with whether it's advertising or lorries and logos or, you know, the sun or or hills or, you know, there's always colour. There's always something... And then when you're driving into the city, I just absolutely love it. I actually park my car in my sister's and walk around just looking at on my way to meetings, looking at graffiti because I find that really invigorating. And so it's amazing, especially if I've been doing the walk down like through Rathmines into Samuel Beckett, past the Samuel Beckett pub. I thought you meant the bridge for a second and I was like, that's a very long walk. Oh, from (laughs) Rathmines into, oh yeah, no, 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 not the bridge. Uh, So so from Rathmines down Portobello Bridge and into town, you're being hit by some really great graffiti and each time it's changing. So I always find it really difficult that night then (laughs) to calm down. So I, I have to do a quick meditation before I go to sleep, which I never did, but it did before. But when work is really busy, you just need to do that. So visually, it does kind of impact the brain. Sometimes mm. you don't realize, you know, just it can either be really draining and you can, you know, knock off to sleep, no problem, or else it really excites the mind. Yeah. And it's, so you can't switch off. Yeah. That's really interesting. And what do you use to meditate? Oh, do you just use an like, app or anything? Yeah. Do you do yeah. Just like a, I'm sure proper like transcendental med- meditation people will probably sniff at this, but I just use an app and it's called Calm. Oh, um, I ha- I have Calm as have well. It, yeah. yeah, it's simple yeah. and um, I just it's just helped me just calm the hell down <laughs> at night time. Yeah, that was actually one of my biggest purchases around Black Friday. They were doing a lifetime of Calm for. I think maybe $200 or something. And I went, no, I, oh, you know what? That's a really good investment. I've used it once. But I have the rest of my life. You do. So it's fine. Yeah, that's great. Another thing that I wanted to, have you seen, when you were mentioning their trucks and, you know, yeah. the, the, the beautiful colours that you see on, on truck tarpaulins, have you seen Jump the Hedges? No. So it's an Irish brand that sells yoga bags, but I think also other kind of leisure bags. Yeah. And they're made out of truck tarpaulins. <gasps> out of old ones that are being recycled. And they're really beautiful. Oh, that's you know, they're this beautiful, strong, kind of waxy fabric yeah. that she cuts up into strips and makes into bags. Um, it's really interesting, but I'll put a link to that um, in the show notes. And they'd make amazing sailing bags as well. Oh, yeah, and probably sails as well. Oh, absolutely. I'm watching a lot of Vikings at the moment, so I'm suddenly imagining them Ooh. with, like, truck truck Love. signage on their, on their boats. Love Vikings. You mentioned there that you wanted this range to be size inclusive. Yes. What does that mean practically for the range of Duns? What are the sizes? The sizes go from extra small to triple XL in this range. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's not, but unfortunately, it's not on every single item in the collection. But there are unisex oversized T-shirts that go to what is probably going to be roughly a size 24. Okay. And I think that's really bloody important. Yeah, I think it's so important. And I mean, it's interesting to me to have you here as somebody who's been in this industry for so long. Because one of the things that often comes up when we talk about fashion is inclusivity and the lack Mm. thereof. But can you explain what are the difficulties 
why don't fashion brands have items up to a size 28, 30, 32? Mm. What, are the, what are the issues and what are the problems that you, you come across when you try to be more inclusive with your designs? On my own range and on my range with Dunn Stores, the issues aren't as huge. But I suppose if you're looking at it from the point of view of, say, someone who is making really small bodycon dresses, for those to go to a size 18 or a size 24, you would basically make maybe the guts of... For this, for a size 24, you could make four or eight of one size 24 in body conscious. In so a, it's in sometimes... In a body conscious... Yeah, so it's, it's, so it's sometimes purely a kind of a, a mathematical financial thing that it's like it actually doesn't... Like, we can't make this thing at this price yeah, in this size. If that's the market you're in. Yeah. And personally, it's not a market I'd ever like to be in. I just think it's wrong. I, I, I Bodycon or, or size? I just hate bodycon. So gross. Yeah. Ew, who wants to look like a sausage? So, yeah. You who, know. who was that? There was somebody at the Globes last night wearing bodycon who looked really good. But I also kind of thought... There's something that I think is turning away from the idea in, in fashion of seeing somebody's naked body in their clothes. Mm. You know, a couple of years ago, you could basically imagine everyone naked because they had kind of slits up to their... Yeah. I sound like my mother. They had slits up a size, their crotches. It was outrageous. But you know what I mean? That you yeah. could like literally blink and imagine exactly what they'd look like naked. And I think we're moving away from that slightly. I think so. I hope. All you need to do is look at the modiste. The modiste is like a, I think she's a, like an online blogger, but also then Netta Porter have a whole section that's dedicated to modest clothing. And for me, working a lot of my sales outside of the country, in fact, 60% are sold into kind of the Middle East region. Oh, that's really and interesting. And what I, what I create for that region is mostly kind of free-flowing, clothing that sits under the abaya and acts like the abaya does so acts like a wind tunnel so the air can circulate the body during the warmer climate but again this clothing it goes to below the knee it hits below the elbow the upper arm isn't exposed it has kind of like a high neck it's like a big giant t-shirt it's just Mm. one of those things you throw on you don't actually have to worry about except for it's in crap so it feels like second skin so I would have an understanding of the importance of for some people feeling better once you're that little bit covered Mm. and I think it's just important to make sure that if you're in the position of being a designer that you are catering for as many types of shapes and ethos or religion or cultures and personally Traveling in and out of the Middle East, I think it's only culturally and socially respectable to respect what their culture is. Mm. So as you're, for example, I had a Thai intern with me. I took her to Mass in rural Ireland just so she could see what it's like. And, yeah. and then to this beautiful quaint church. And then I took her to a Catholic cathedral just to show her the mix of both. But in the the rural, small, tiny church with maybe about 30 benches, she took out her phone and started like, you know, texting away on her phone. And I was like, what are you doing? Put that away. But she didn't understand, you know, that this is just something you just don't do. So I suppose it's really hard to know. But I think if you're going to another country, you should educate yourself and dress, you know, so as you're not going to 
be verbally given out stink to on the street. And I know, look, I'm, I'm no fool. I know that there's so many sides to the Middle East that, you know, are that do repress women and that things aren't equal. But travelling in and out of the Middle East for 20 years, I've seen such huge change, certainly in the Gulf, in parts of the Gulf region. I hope that will continue because I really admire the Emirati women. In fact, my mum made this remark. My mum studied art in the Sorbonne in the 60s and in the late 60s, early 70s, worked for a North African primitive arts gallery. So she would have done a lot of kind of buying trips around Morocco, Marrakesh, Fez. She was saying to me, because I was showing her pictures and stuff, and we talk quite a bit, you know, about Muslim culture and how interesting parts of it are. And Mm. visually, some of it is absolutely incredible. And she was saying that she really sees such massive changes in the Emirates, um, mm. but that she feels that in Saudi, it's more of like a, a press appeasement for the undercurrent of what's going on. But there is genuine changes happening in some of the Emirati countries. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there's a really interesting conversation to be had about what's going on with the Emirates, what's changing and for whom mm. as well. Because I know... Dubai is a bad example because I think that's kind of one of the main countries we think of when we think about the Emirates and it's not the only one. Just it's so complex. There are so many different facets to it. And when you even when you think about Muslim culture, it's so different from the UAE to Morocco to Turkey Mm. and then, you know, to London, which which might have a big Muslim culture, which is very different as well. Mm. I mean, there's a whole PhD to be done on the intersection of modesty, culture empowerment Mm. and how women I mean I don't know if you saw the little mix video for I think it's called strip Mm. and it's basically about they're all kind of saying you can't you can't call me names like I am who I am whatever you say about me I feel empowered and they're all I think kind of semi-nude or or almost totally nude and they have words kind of written all over their skin and it's one of those it kind of reminded me of that book female chauvinist pigs that was quite big a couple of years ago and was mm. basically talking about how the idea of women reclaiming their sexuality has actually gone gone to i mean i hate the term it's gone too far in the other direction now but that was kind of the idea of it mm. and it was really really fascinating to me but i mean it's almost like that thing on the internet where you go on and you you see a person and then you minus out and you see like a field of people and then you minus out and you see Ireland and then you minus out further. When you think about the fact that we're all the same species and we have little mix and we have the UAE. Yeah. And you kind of imagine all of us living together, but, you know, such different cultures colliding. Mm. It's mind blowing. To a certain extent, the Muslim religion does remind me a little bit about where women are at the moment. It's a bit like the Catholic Church. Mm. and uh, how Irish women were treated, I personally think. Yeah. And that kind of repression. And I know, like, after the famine and that the church really did kind of repress women and repress them for the reason of, you know, that they didn't want an overpopulation again. But at the same time, I just see mirrors in in that, definitely. There are definitely some very strong threads through a lot of religions when it comes to the oppression of women. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. Isn't it like, yeah. So back to Duns from that. Yeah, I mean, sorry. let's let's have a segue back to Dun- <laughs> back to Duns. Massive segue. Um, is there a concern at all for you when you're collaborating with a high street brand that you're in some way cheapening your own brand? Because Helen Steele, a silk dress, kind of starts at six hundred and fifty euro. It's not a cheap brand. No. Nope, Whereas your not. Duns collection starts at I think fifteen euro. Yeah, it does. So. D- did that enter your mind at all when you were thinking about it? Uh, no, because what I do myself is I, it's all produced here in Ireland. 
there is a very limited amount bought here and on sale here and on sale globally. So it's it's very slow fashion. Mm. And I think that's really important. So when someone invests in that, they're investing in a lifetime purchase. But at the same time, one of the reasons why I got together with Dunn Stores was myself and my sister were walking her kids to school and we were both talking, saying, you know, everyone was in sportswear or mm. athleisure, everyone. And I was saying, oh, God, you know, that's, you know, you just know as a designer, OK, that's like Stella McCartney for Adidas. That's the upside or P Nation, whatever. Yeah. That's Lululemon. And then my sister said, so who are you wearing? And I said, well, these are like my seven-year-old Dunstores leggings. And I said, who are you wearing? She goes, these are four-year-old Dunstores leggings. And they last. They really do. And that was another thing that I really thought about was that what I'm creating, this is not disposable. This is something that you're going to buy. It's going to last. You're going to hand down to your daughters. Or like what happens in my home and what happened in the home I grew up in was that one person would buy something and every every female in... Everybody gets a go. Everyone gets a go. Mm. And, you know, it needs to be recycled. And I think... That's and that's a the way we should be going about things. And this buying a t-shirt for four or five euro and it lasting one wash—that's mm. disgraceful. Yeah, and I mean it's obviously a mindset shift as yeah. well because you have people who will buy a pair of leggings from Duns and who will keep them for seven years. Yeah, and then you have people who will buy a pair of leggings from Duns and then buy a new pair in six months. Beca- not like not because there's anything wrong with them, yeah, but because they think oh they're old. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there is this mindset. You see it a lot. I mean, you see it loads on social media when, like me, you follow a lot of the wrong people. And I kind of follow a lot of young bloggers because I'm very interested in what they're doing and, you know, what's what's kind of coming up. And I sound ancient. You, younger than me, I mean. And there was one I was following the other day who said something like she had bought a dress and she said, oh, you know, I'm not really sure about it, but it's just for Friday night. And I <laughs> thought that was a very interesting and very common, I think, attitude yeah. to cheap fashion. Yeah. To like fast uh, un- fashion and cheap fashion. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't think it's ethical. Um, oh, no. Absolutely not. Like, oh, no, of course not. But I have heard of bloggers. There's a friend of mine who's a stylist in the UK and she was telling me there's one blogger that actually will buy a dress on that a porter, like a, uh, whatever, whoever fashion designer dress for like 1500 euros and we'll whack it on her take a picture in it and then send it back and send it back get the money put back on her I've heard of that as well I mean total sidebar now but say if I'm somebody who has 200,000 followers on Instagram I'm not but theoretically and I borrow which is what I'm I'm buying and returning I'm borrowing and say a a new Celine why would I want to do that but um, a new Celine dress and I'm wearing it posting it on Instagram and then sending it back. If one of my followers buys that, I'll get 150 euro from affiliate links. If I share the link, yeah. and then I'll get the commission. So like, there's just massive money to be made. There is. From this kind of influencing. But I do wonder, because so, so I'm on Reward Style, which is the kind of the most common affiliate link program. Mm-hmm. When you log into your dashboard, you can see the things that have been purchased recently. And at the moment, every about, I'll show it to you if you want, but every about sixth thing is So Sue by Suzanne Jackson, lashes or nails, like, or tan. It's She's always up there in the top 
50. It's amazing. Wow. But frequently I'll see a Givenchy bag or a pair of Lanvin shoes and I'm like, who? Like, because I, I have occasionally put up a really expensive thing going, oh my God, I'd love this. Nobody ever buys it. The only thing I ever get clicks from are like River Island or ASOS. I'm so jealous. <laughs> who are these influencers who are getting people to buy Givenchy bags? <gasps> wow. And online, because I feel like if you were buying a Givenchy, you'd want to go in store and mm. like get in like a free fragrance with it or, you know, get an extra dust bag or see what you could get. That's very Irish of me. Like, no, you're what dead else can right. you do for me now? You're dead right. <laughs> yeah. Dead right. I'd want the whole experience. So when we're talking about size wise mm-hmm. in fashion, a lot has been made of your choice to use your daughter as a model. Yes. Because she's, I mean... She's plus size technically. Yeah. But that also, I feel like, has become really outdated. I think so. Like, she's not a straight size model. No. Like, how did that come about? And did you have any reluctance, I guess, to kind of put her into that world or to allow her to go into that world, which is difficult for a straight size model? Yeah. Um, And is more difficult for everyone else. And and to be a subject of... Yeah, nepotism. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. Um, I used her for a very, very good reason, I personally think, and that is because she was bullied for her weight. She was much bigger. And when she was younger, and as happens to all of us, I was, and she was bullied because of her size from the age of 10. And when she was 10, she was five foot seven. So she really, she looked like she was, when she was 10, she looked like she was... Like 16. 16. Yeah. God love her. And she got an awful time. And we actually had to take her out of the small rural school in Monaghan that she was in and move her into the school in the town. And it still continued. And thankfully it continued because it was online. And that was the only time that the school got involved because they were being quite threatening. And I went to a friend of mine who's a guard and he went in and gave a talk to the school and it stopped. Oh, wow. But the school did nothing, absolutely nothing. And the parents of the bullies did nothing, nothing at all for years. So um, Was this all girls? No, it was a mixed school. And all the boys in her class were her best buds. <laughs> so she played soccer with them. But the girls were... But the bullying was coming from the girls? Only. Yeah. Yeah. And she had dyspraxia as well. And she was being bullied because she had a special needs assistant in the class with her too. So I suppose... She was having a great time. Oh, she's having (laughs) a time of her life. (laughs) Living the dream. So I wanted to show her that there was another life outside of this small unfortunate way that we have of educating our children Mm. I wanted to show her that you know what school is incredibly important you have to pass your exams you have to go to college but there is another life outside of it so I used to get her to help me in the studio I used to get her to come and dress people at fashion shows I used to when she was 10 um, which is very stressful for it I've dressed people at fashion shows and I wanted to Wanted to die. Oh, exactly. It's so sweaty. At the time, I know, at the time I was married and I've separated since, but my ex would have got her to work on the food stalls at festivals and things like that. And all of that learning was so important. Yeah. And I think that really kind of helped her confidence. And then when she moved out of that school, that helped her confidence. But then in first year, the same girls... 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ended up going to the same secondary school as her. She sensed move schools she's in school in Dublin now and she said for the first time in her life she can really be herself so I think some kids are just suited to living in the country and some just aren't Mm. and I think in the city there's a more diverse um, there's definitely more acceptance for diversity way more acceptance for diversity Mm. now my other two kids had no problem living in the country the youngest is a complete bog man and (laughs) loves the countryside loves it which is great but for some reason she was just different yeah and stood out like a sore thumb but I I used her and she was a great worker absolute great worker and it was when she was 15 she said to me you know I I'd really like to do plus size modeling I really would she was really getting very health conscious and had gone from being afraid to leave her room, being afraid to leave the house, being afraid to go into the supermarket. She actually, only last year, last summer, would actually get out of the car and go into a shop and buy herself, like, a water or Mm. at home because she was just so nervous of, you know, just being slagged or running into the, these, you know, these girls. So, um... But anyway, so she started modelling. When she said, look, this is something I'd really like to do, I was there, you know, it's really not the most amazing industry to be involved in. But then she started showing me, like, Ashley Graham, Mm. and she was showing me, now I'm not so keen on them, but she was showing me what Khloe Kardashian was doing with Good American. American, And I think that's really, really good, you know, showing pictures of plus size models right beside of what a pair of jeans looks like on a plus size model and on a model. I mean, that has to be the future. It has to be. It's the only way forward. It has to be. We're all wearing these clothes, not this is for plus size or this is for straight size or, you know, it has to just be not a big deal. I remember there was a year that um, didn't John Galliano do a fashion show where he sent two little people, people with dwarfism down the catwalk and he had somebody who had gigantism, I think. Oh, that's right. I think maybe he had Siamese twins or something. 
and it was amazing mm. but he never did it again so it mm. became like a circus do you know I mean that that was the one show where he showed like quote unquote freaks mm. rather than going let's start showing diversity because if he had done it for every show yeah I mean there weren't that many shows after that until he was gone really but if he had done it forever after it yeah. would have been a statement I felt oh absolutely whereas doing it once was just lip service yeah Good American is great, but I wish she didn't do Revenge Body. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like Revenge Body ruins Good American. I think so. If you know what I mean. It should never be about a man. You should never dress for a man. You should dress and exercise for yourself to feel good and better about yourself and the body that you have. Yeah. I I think, ugh, makes me sick. nothing, nothing should ever be about a man. Except for for his birthday. (gasps) Maybe International Men's Day. (laughs) It's a topic for another day. Is she modeling now? Like, is she doing other stuff? Or, you know, like, how is she finding it now? Yeah, she basically, this summer I told her she had to get a job. So she could either work, Harsh on, the, mom. work on the duck farm collecting eggs, uh, getting up at 5.30 in the morning and working until one o'clock in the day. What's collect- option B? And option B was find yourself a job. You have three weeks. She basically started babysitting for my sister in Dublin. But while she was in Dublin, she called into a few model agencies, never told me about it. And then halfway through the summer, she said, oh, by the way, mom, I need you to come with me to a job interview. And I was like, oh, God, what is she doing? And I said, why do you need me to go with you for a job interview? And she goes, well, because I'm under 18. And I was there, well, what kind of job? Is this exactly? And she said, I was there, you know, is it juggling or <laughs> flamethrowing? Which she could definitely, I could see her doing either. <laughs> she's there, no, no, no. Um, it's with an agency, a model agency. So it was with not another agency. And we went in and they were all gorgeous. And they had the cutest dog in there as well. That always helps. Which is go- always great. Um, and then they did test shots and... Uh, I think a couple of weeks later she was signed and then she's been working since. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Does she like it? Loves it. Loves it so much that she gives like whoever's on set a hug before she leaves. She's just, oh, cute. Yeah, she do, she really, really loves it. Yeah, it's great. I do feel like it's an either you love it or you hate it yeah. thing. Yeah. Because I remember speaking to models who were like, you don't realise you're the least important person on set. Really. Oh, yeah. Like you don't get a say, you don't, you just get kind of poked and prodded and moved around. Yeah. But I guess you do it for the end result. Yeah. But at the same time, I think that kind of way of thinking, you're working as a team. And I remember doing London Fashion Week one year and I remember seeing another designer at a casting and the way she was speaking about these models. Oh, my God. I was absolutely mortified. She was horrible. Mm. And I they could hear her. Yeah. I could hear her. So they could definitely hear her. So... I think that kind of negative old school Mm -hmm. way of behaving is counterproductive. And I think if you're on set, you're working as a team, you know, so you're going to a good photographer is going to try and get the best out of the model. Mm -hmm. And so a designer should be doing the same. And the makeup artist and everyone on set should be, you know, trying to make this the best atmosphere possible. So I think it is important to make the model feel feel, feel good about themselves yeah and Definitely. I mean I think things are changing in terms of is it called a model alliance but there are a lot of different kind of union type groups springing mm. up to defend models rights which I think when it first came out there was a bit of a scoffing like yeah like what do the models need they're grand they're earning loads of money to do nothing but then you realize actually these are people yeah. who are made work for 
16, 18 hours a day, who are... With no breaks. with Yeah, with absolutely no breaks, yeah. who, are, who are talked about as if they're not there, who mm. are expected to lose weight in three days, you know, kind of unrealistic amounts of weight, like the whole thing can be huge pressure. Mm. But I guess if you're in the industry now, as it's changing, mm. there are better ways to work. Yeah. I know it's kind of a cliche to say, but I think Ireland's a nice place for a lot of that kind of stuff. It's the best place for a model Because everyone's work. nice. Yeah. You know what Ireland's I mean? too like, small. You can't afford to be no, bitchy. No, I know. I, it's I, great. I always think that when, like, I'll tell people messages that I get on social media. Mm. And I have a friend who's like, why don't you just write back and say, fuck off. Yeah. And I'm like, because you couldn't. Because then they show their friend Mary, who show their friend Anna, who show oh, their friend yeah. Elaine. And next thing you know, they've shown your mom. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean, your boss. Or, oh, yeah. do you know what I mean? It just gets around too quickly. And then the yeah. next thing you know, everyone thinks you're a bitch. Yeah. And she was like, why do you care? And that's, I suppose, another question. But actually, not another agency have terms and conditions. And part of their terms or conditions are, when you read the small writing, is basically, you know, that you've, and you've to sign it. So it's, you know, that models get breaks, that that there's food provided on set, things, just basic. Yeah standard things that I'm now suddenly going I bet we never provided food like, I'm thinking about shoots that I've done and gone did we provide food I, don't, I think we probably or, like I mean I couldn't have gone the whole day without eating so I think we probably ordered at some point yeah I, I, I remember that thinking about it I used to I was the smallest model in assets and I couldn't afford to get like proper headshots done so I used to carry a picture of Bertie O'Hearn a photocopy of Bertie O'Hearn and hand it over with like my name and phone number instead of a card thinking oh people will really remember this well it's kind of gas yeah well it is but I remember doing a shoot years and years ago and we had pizza on set and I just thought this is amazing. I, I want to be a model for the rest of my life. <laughs> That's my first and last working job. But things have totally changed since like having pizza to most models will bring their own food. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, and it's all really healthy. But if I'm doing a shoot, I like to provide like a healthy option and then, you know, sugar bursts. A pizza and, option. Oh, pizza option. Always or duck and pancakes or sweets always sweets my sister worked for um Diane von Furstenberg for a while in New York and I remember her saying at one point I think she called me to tell me she's like I've realized why thin people are thin and she was like because we got a pizza in the office and I I witnessed two of the girls eating one slice each and they only ate the toppings like they scraped it all off the (gasps) off the carbs like I was like that's that's the joyless life oh that is definitely joyless life Back to Duns. Mm. <laughs> I keep I saying know. that. Back to Duns. Yeah. Well, not really back to Duns, but Duns mm. isn't the only collaboration that's going on for you right now. Yeah. Because I was reading about that you're doing a kind of a slow fashion collab with Mazer. Yeah. In costume. Yeah. So do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. Costume brought us together and they thought it'd be a good idea because I really like graffiti and Mazer really likes fashion. And, and Mazer really likes you. And I admire his work greatly. Like, he's just incredible. I read um, a really nice quote where he was basically saying that you're pretty much the only person that he would want to do this with. Oh, that's so I think sweet. I read that somewhere online or could be making it up, but I'm uh, pretty sure about it. But uh, no, genuinely, I think his work is incredible. Just his use of colour. And anyway, his, his work is amazing. And um, I think there's just the whole graffiti movement in Ireland is uh, just incredible and is 
inspiring and to be able to not have to go into a gallery because a lot of people you know what feel intimidated mm-hmm. by walking into galleries so to yeah. be able to just walk down a side alleyway and see oh who's put up new work it's incredible art yeah yeah it's it's and it's for free i mean it's yeah. just brilliant so what what we've done is we have kind of come together so he he's like a bloody genius when it comes to print uh, and I'm like just sloppy, crazy painter. And so trying to mix the two together, I thought was like going to be a really difficult. But he just made it so simple. I'd say it's interesting, though, because his his work is quite controlled. Very. Like his work is very graphic, whereas yours is more, I would say, kind of freehand or more expressive. And chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. Like in in the best way. But yeah. his is very much within lines, like lines he's obviously drawn himself. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's not that he's confined, yeah. but his is very precise, very precise, very specific. Yeah. Yeah. So what we did was try and mix the two and in a way that's not jarring. So mm. basically we he kind of layered, it was it's the backdrop of one of my prints and then he layered, he kind of mixed another one of his over and then another one of mine over that. I think it looks brilliant. Uh, I love it. It's so full on. It's so colourful. It's just, it's like a, it's like a smack of like the tropics in the middle of what's going to be February. So yeah, I'm really excited about it. We're going to have some kind of bigger scale pieces and then some smaller scale pieces, which are easier to wear, but it's going to be like, tiny tiny numbers and is it all clothing or are there any accessories no all clothing and silk silk yeah 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 and what are the prices going to be like do you know expensive <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so well not ex- well yeah yeah like that's a very that's a very feeling. pretty woman answer and i'm like how much is this it's very expensive <laughs> very expensive yeah it's look at it's it's really time consuming it was time consuming very limited numbers being made so it's it's more of a like a a project yeah more so it's like buying. this isn't done you know with with an eye to going we hope 100 people buy these yeah or you know we hope people pop in off the street and pick one up that's yeah. not the that's no, not the vibe it's a kind of carefully curated project yeah so but that's to, exciting but to go back to duns at the same time that's two way straddling two things because the prints were like a, a year and a half in the making. Mm. So another carefully curated kind of print aesthetic, but done in a in a completely different way. And what I love about what they have done is it's actually just blown my mind about the technical capabilities of fabrics today as well, mm-hmm. which is mind blowing. You know that it's. Uh, a moisture depositing that it's like a four-way stretch windproof waterproof you know sweatproof yeah. it's just mind-blowing what fabrics can do now it's it's incredible and to be able to have some of my prints on those kind of fabrics and on drawn in shapes that curve the body and don't cut you off or that mm. elongate the leg or they, they have this like what I call I think it's like because I go down I go down a size so the the waistband sucks you in <laughs> when you're in the gym and say if you're doing yoga and you're bending over to do a downward dog these aren't going to move like yeah. we've got you covered so this is basically your foray into bodycon no because <laughs> there's oversized as well so so yeah the leggings are going to suck you in will this be the only form-fitting fashion that you do this and swimwear. 
I would say. Do you do swimwear under your own label? No. No, I did a swimsuit once and failed horribly. Oh. <laughs> no, I didn't fail horribly, but I think it was just too full on. It was yeah. too mental. It was shown at London Fashion Week and it was my first time doing it. So it was a bit crazy. I didn't get a massive amount of sales in it, but it, you know, it did sell. And I didn't put a huge amount of time into it. But whereas with this, it's like you eat, live, sleep, breathe it. And how many, how many of each item for Duns is being made? Do you know? Is it a limited run or is it limited run? Limited run. This is like one drop. And if, you don't get it, you don't get it. So, and I think that's the best way to be. And it's not creating a demand. It's just, I just think, keep it small, keep it simple. Mm. Like, and the numbers aren't massive, but uh, but they're they're generous. So, yeah. But just to keep it simple. So, as, you know, there's no kind of reordering or... Yeah, so it's kind of a democratisation of Helen's deal in a way that if... If you're a fan and you want to get your hands on a piece, you can. Yes. But it won't be everywhere. Yeah. In the sense of, you know, when you pick something up in kind of like a real big, you know, like in a Zara or a Penny's, mm-hmm. there is always the, oh, there are four people on Henry Street wearing that exact same thing. Which, I mean, maybe we need to get away from the mindset of that being a problem as well. Yeah, you could be like a team, like a tag team. You could be like bridesmaids, which I always just think is a weird, I was a bridesmaid once and I found it very jarring. Did you? Why? Because there were four of us wearing the same dress. I felt like a doll. <laughs> I think. You know what I mean? I just thought yeah. it was. And even when I see photographs now of adult women all dressed the same. Yeah. And with the same hair and the same nails and the same makeup, I find it really odd. Oh, yeah. That is a bit strange. Because you would never do that. Like. Yeah. It's kind of like when you're a teenager and you're like, are we wearing dresses tonight or are we wearing jeans? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Or is it a jeans night or is it a dress? On Wednesdays, we wear pink. Wednesdays, we wear pink. Exactly. <laughs> so this collection, the Duns collection, yeah. will widen the net in a way, in terms of Helen Steele customers, yeah. or at least people in Ireland who might not have heard your name before will hear it now. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Um, I don't think there are, there probably aren't that many of them, really. Uh, you know, you kind of be surprised. I think, well, like, we do really like to champion our own. So even if you have people who could never afford to buy a silk dress by Helen Steele, they probably will, are still rooting for you in a way. Do you, you think? know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I mean, so nice. <laughs> I think I think until you get to Bono levels of wealth and fame, yeah. people in Ireland are rooting for you. And then when you get that far, they hate you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like you can you can be a certain level of like I think Saoirse Ronan is on the cusp now. Oh We're no, to turn I love her. her. I love her and I love Bono. I think they're f- fucking brilliant. Well, you, Excuse well, so my language. I love them. You're you're very generous. And no, I do though. I they're like, so positive. I I love Saoirse Ronan. I don't I know anything about bits. Bono, but I tend to kind of bandwagon on the oh, fucking. You know, like, but what I was going to say was that people now will hopefully know your name. They might come in for a printed sports bra and then hopefully save up for a printed silk dress. But what can they, what can we expect to see from you in months to come? What will they be saving up for next year? What's what's next for Helen Steele, the brand and the person? There's basically three more drops. So there's a drop of Helen Steele and done stores in April. And then again in July. And is this when we'll see the swimwear? April? April. Maybe? No, July. July, okay. Yeah, like high summer swimwear. And and actually the April drop, when we were designing the April drop, I was really looking at loads of girls in like cycling shorts and everyone was out running. And I was like, oh God, okay, I really want to wear cycling shorts, but I'm too old. So I'm going to put like, 
shorts over cycling shorts and that'll be fine so we've done that and then we've done cycling short options and then we've done these like cool crop tops with like a, a high neck and long sleeves for like the teenagers who want to kind of just hang out and pretend they're running <laughs> <laughs> or run so yeah no, and there's a really nice kind of lightweight kind of puffer jacket as well that's fully printed which is quite nice but my favorite piece for the april drop is this real kind of old school 90s kind of bears over the head half zip it's like something you'd see in nine crows so i'm really excited about that as well and then there's a poncho for you know if you're going to go to any of the festivals or that kind of thing so yeah no i'm really really excited uh, about and, and is it all going to be sports slash athleisure for duns for yes. duns yeah, yeah yeah and then my own line spring summer launches in at the end of january and then there's going to be a, a couple of drops of of kind of there's like spring and then kind of like a summer kind of and late summer drop but it's tiny numbers again mm-hmm. really really exclusive and, and what's your number one what's the main selling what's the main outlet in Ireland is it your website or is it is it bricks and mortar shops I like to mix it between both so there's costume who have supported me from day one and it's a family run business by women they're amazing and they support other Irish designers too so they've always got my back so I would like to think that I would do the same for them mm. and and then my own website and that's really what those two are, are what drives sales here in Ireland. And then outside of that, it's export. And do you, when you sell stuff from your site, do you package and post it yourself? Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. And I have like a hand, hand paint. So if you buy something from me, it comes in like a hand painted canvas. So you, you can hang it on the wall. Some people have actually sent me pictures of the canvas have framed in their kids' bedroom. Oh, lovely. Yeah, which is really cute. Do people ever buy things from the website and return Excuse it me. without the canvas? No, hasn't happened. Good. I hope I don't give anybody any ideas. Jesus, no. <laughs> <laughs> so people can find you, helensteel.com. Yeah. You're on social media as well. Oh, God, you? yeah. Inst- Helen Steel Fash. Yeah, Helen Steel Fash on Instagram. Um, I'm on Twitter, but I like to kind of keep things simple and just do one thing really well. So I engage most with Instagram because it's, I know a lot of people kind of think Instagram's narcissistic and but there are other sides of Instagram that it's, you know, it's visually some sometimes, yeah. you know, really, really beautiful. And um, well, it is what you make it. You know, when people are yeah. like, why would I be sharing a picture of my breakfast? And you're like, you don't. That's not part of the rules. That really annoys you know I mean? me. You're not forced people to do it. Photographing their food. Please don't do that. Oh, I totally do that sometimes. Do you? Well, only if it's delicious. I, I think I'm going to do like a take the mick one, like a series of like cornflakes and hot milk or. Oh, gross. Yeah. Or like um, boiled sausages. Uh, yeah. Just total take the mick. I'm yeah. horrified. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking Thank the time you. to come and talk to me. This has been How To Be Sound. You can follow me at Rosemary McCabe with an A in my Mac on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I think I'm on Pinterest as well, actually, but I don't really pin that much. I feel like Pinterest is very passe. And thank you, as always, to my producer, Liam, whose own podcast, Meet Your Maker, you'll find at Meet Your Maker. I don't know why I said that like Yoda. You'll find Liam and his podcast, Meet Your Maker, at meetyourmaker.ie. And the new series is back on February 4th. 
If you'd like to support How To Be Sound and me, Rosemary McCabe, you can do so at patreon.com slash howtobesound and we'll be back in two weeks with the next episode. All of my patrons at the $3.33 per month level or higher get their names read out on every episode of How To Be Sound. So if you want to be famous on this podcast only, go onto my Patreon. Give me $3.33 or more. But without further ado, I would like to thank Avril Flynn, Timmy Hennessy, Sarah Conroy, Eleanor Farrell, Sarah Hanrahan, Marina Hogan, Ashling Dollard, Sinead Fegan, Michelle Barrett, Sarah McCann, Sarah O'Donovan, Sarah Breen, Fiona Louth, Leanne Kiley, Karen Cregan, Ashling Dignam, Kathy Burke, Neve Shine, Kate Stapleton, Sarah Marr, Louise O'Neill, Amy Hines, Lola and Tomasa, Claire Hennessy, Tracy Hardy, Kate Kerwin, Trevor Steins, Deirdre Corrigan, Kira Guri, Kira Guri, Jill Murray, Neve Connolly, Katie Lally, Katie Joy, Marion Flynn, Ruth Queeley, Jenny Roach, Ashling Lonergan, American Amy, Margaret O'Sullivan, Breed Gallagher, Paula Denon, Alex O'Reardon, Roseanne Smith, Neveni Gowan, Sharon Lennon, Shauna O'Hara, Katrina Kennelly, Marita Leonard, Joanne, OCM, Katia Valadao, Eving McBride, Tara Flynn, Sandra Bannam, Dolores Mee, Kira Norton, Stephen Harding, Siobhan O'Rourke, Beatrice McCabe, Dina Walker, Sandra Cashman, Martina Janocki, Helen Queeley, and Paul Jeremiah Hayes. Thank you. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.